Hey friends, we are so glad that you decided to join us today listening to this message. Hey, we have lots of things that are going on here at Christ Community Church, so head over to our website, go to the upcoming page. We've got a lot of things on there, ways that you can get connected, join a small group, um, come to some events. We've got a big one coming up here uh-huh. next week. Christmas, <laughs> Eve. Christmas Eve. <laughs> um, but yeah, check that out. Also like and subscribe um, just so we show up in your feed more. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, please subscribe uh, again so you can get more of our content. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Hi, everybody. It's good to see you. If we haven't met, my name is Stetson. Um, A quick disclaimer. I am on day 11 of a cold. It's a personal record, uh, which I'm pretty proud of. Uh, So if I start randomly coughing, I'm sorry. Uh, My early Christmas present to you is I will not be in the lobby to ruin your Christmas plans by (laughs) giving you what I have. So you're welcome. Um, So yeah, thanks for being understanding. Um, But I am honestly super excited to be here with you tonight. Uh, It is almost Christmas. It's like a week away. This is the last week of Advent. The last week of Advent is always about love. It always builds up to, leads up to, brings us back to, culminates, crescendos in love. And Jesus, the teachings of Jesus in the Bible, they kind of do the the same thing. They keep bringing us back to love as the answer, the solution, the response, the everything. Like Jesus said, the most important commandment is for us to love God and love others. He taught us to even love our enemies. He told us, you want others to know you follow me? Love each other. That's how they'll know. That's the sign of someone who follows Jesus as if they are full of love. And the rest of the Bible too, it keeps bringing us back to love, making it clear the most important thing that we could ever, ever do, the most purposeful thing we could do is love. First Corinthians isn't any exception. We've been looking at this book for a really long time and it has been this long, contentious, complicated roller coaster of issues and topics and problems and drama. And we just got to the point where Paul said, but you know what? The most important thing that you can do is love. If you don't do anything with love, you might as well not do it at all, which is great. Love is awesome, but sometimes love doesn't quite feel like enough. Like maybe it's a little bit too simple. Like maybe there's something more we're supposed to be doing. Like is love really the right response when someone we care about keeps making the same mistake over and over again? Is love the best response when we're getting mistreated at work or bullied at school? Is love really the best business practice? Is it naive to believe that love really is the solution to the wars that we're seeing in the Middle East and the Ukraine right now? Sometimes love feels kind of small. Sometimes it feels more like surrender than it does action. So why does Advent keep leading us back to love? Why does the Bible and the teachings of Jesus keep bringing us to love? Why is it so important that whatever we do, we do it with love? 
Around Christmas, we decorate our homes, and many of us have nativity sets in our houses right now. And at the center of those nativity sets are these little tiny porcelain baby Jesuses, and they're so cute, and they're so small. And looking at that tiny little baby Jesus, it's easy to look at that and miss everything that tiny body contained. Like inside of that baby was God himself, the one through whom all things were created, the one who came to destroy sin and defeat Satan and conquer death and rescue his people and reclaim his creation. The one Revelation describes as having eyes like fire and a robe dipped in blood, riding a white horse with the armies of heaven behind them. But when you look at that little tiny baby Jesus, it's easy to miss all of that. And I think in a similar way, it's easy to look at love and miss everything that it contains. I mean, love at face value is this cute little thing. I mean, it's holiday is Valentine's Day where we give each other these little paper hearts and candies and go on obligatory dates. Like, how powerful is love if Valentine's Day is its holiday? Well, I think in the same way, it would have been easy to look at the form that Jesus came in and miss everything that was inside. It's easy for us to look at love and miss everything that it contains, the raw power inside of it. For the past few weeks, we've been looking at Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul has been making it clear the most important thing that we can do is love. Whatever we do, we must do whatever we do with love. And in the next few verses, he pulls the curtains back a little bit to give us a glimpse of what it is that love is made of that makes it the most powerful force in the universe. So we can see and understand why it is so important that whatever we do, we do it with love. So let's take a look. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll start at verse 7, which might sound familiar. It says this, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, I know a lot of us have heard this at countless weddings and just, but let's take a fresh look at this. This verse, in other words, is saying love never gives up. Love never stops believing what's true. No, love never loses hope. Love is never overpowered. Or in other words, love is so fiercely loyal to you. There is nothing that can convince it to give up on you. Love is grounded in truth. There is no lie or argument convincing enough to get it to stop believing what's true. Love is an optimist. It is grounded in hope. And there is nothing scary enough or discouraging enough that can take love's hope away. Love always stands its ground. There is nothing that can overpower it. Last summer, my wife and I, we went to South, South Carolina, um, Charleston to just go on vacation. And we walked into this really old church and we saw this plaque in the entryway. And it reads this, this building begun in 1752, opened for divine worship, 1761, exposed to the fire of British artillery on James Island, 1780, 
struck four times by the federal artillery on Morris Island, 1863 to 65, seriously injured by cyclone, 1885, almost destroyed by earthquake, 1886, has been restored by the generosity of American churchmen and friends and reopened, 1887. Glory to God in the highest. That's what love is like. Whatever you throw at it, it's still standing because love withstands everything. Because love is the most powerful force in the universe, which is easy to say and it's hard to describe, but it might be a little bit easier to experience. So if you'll humor me, I'd like you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to think about someone who's in your life that you love so deeply that you know that there is nothing in the world that could ever cause you to stop loving them. I'll give you a moment to think about who that is. And once you got that person, I want you to picture their face as if they're standing right in front of you as clearly as you can. And I want you to look into their eyes. What do you feel inside when you look at them? With your eyes still closed, now I want you to think about someone in your life who, know, who loves you so much that you know that there's nothing in the world that could ever get them to stop loving you. I'll give you a moment to think about who that is. And once you have that person, I want you to picture their face as clearly as you can. And I want you to imagine them looking right at you, smiling, loving you. Just soak that in for a moment. What do you feel inside when they look at you? You can open your eyes if you want. If you felt that, have you ever experienced anything in the world more powerful than that? Love is the most powerful force in the universe. It is potent. Because love bears all things, you are able to forgive. How else could that be possible? That doesn't have any logical sense to it, forgiveness. Because love bears all things, there is a friend who is supporting their friend through rehab for the third time. Because love bears all things, there is a married couple trying to fix things after an affair. Because love believes all things, there are countless prison ministries with volunteers meeting with inmates to remind them of what is true, that their mistakes are not who they are. Because love hopes all things. There were almost 6,000, at least 6,000 Christians who were martyred last year. Because love hopes all things. Not even the threat of death can take that away. This man in India, he woke up one morning to his daughter suffering through a very high fever and he needed to get to a hospital. Except the problem was there was a bunch of flooding going on. So for two hours, he carried his daughter over his head. 
walking through floodwaters. How love endures all things. This man and his parents, they needed to flee their home because of a genocide. But as you can tell, his parents couldn't walk. And so instead of leaving them behind, he carried them on his shoulders for seven days to safety. How? Love endures all things. This couple got married in a bomb shelter in Ukraine because love endures all things. Some friends of mine, they have almost totally reoriented their lives around their daughter's medical needs because love endures all things. Jesus was able to defeat death by dying because love endures all things, even death. A book I read recently talked about Jesus's resurrection like this. When evil had brought everything it had, when evil had mounted its greatest challenge to love and put Jesus in the grave, love still had more to say. Why do we do whatever we do with love? Because when we do something with love, we are doing it with the most powerful force in the universe. It can withstand anything. But where does that power come from? Let's keep looking. Next verse, verse eight. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. This verse kind of touches on a grim reality that almost everything is eventually going to end or it'll just become irrelevant or useless and it will be forgotten and it will just fade from memory, but not love. Love never ends. Love never goes away. Love never stops. There's going to be a lot in this life that we're going to do that isn't really going to matter because it's going to end. It's not going to last. So it's not going to make an impact or a difference. It's not going to have much meaning. But love, love always matters because love never ends. It lasts. It keeps going. So it has an impact. It makes a difference. It does not matter how powerful of a country you have. It doesn't matter how long a war goes on for or how impressive of a legacy you leave behind, how successful of a business that you have. It doesn't matter how good of a sermon you give, how many likes you get, how many views you get. All of those things are going to end or fade and be forgotten, but not love. Love keeps going long after those things have ended. I think all of us deep down, we want our lives to have purpose, to have meaning. We want, our, we want to be able to make a difference, to make an impact. This is kind of a depressing thought, but if everything was just going to end and fade, then what really matters? No matter what we do, if it's just going to end or fade, like what is the point of it? But in a world filled with so much temporary, where nearly everything is going to end, what if you were somehow able to do something eternal? What if you were able to do something that didn't end? How much would that matter? How big of a difference would that make? How much meaning and purpose would that have in the contrast of everything else around you. When you do something with love, you are doing something eternal. 
This is a bit hard to describe, but here's kind of how I think about it. All around us is the world as we experience it and see it and sense it and taste it and whatever. Here it is. But underneath everything, it feels like that there is this undercurrent of love. And it's not aimless. It's not chaotic going everywhere, but it feels like it's, it's directional, like it's, it's heading somewhere. It's, it's going towards something. And I believe the story of the Bible shows us this, that there is this story, this path that love is going on. It's almost like love is this enormous river that is flowing underneath everything and around everything and, and in between us. And because Love is eternal. This river, it goes on and on and on and on. But everything around us, like it, it, because it, it ends, it fades, it just kind of stays still. And it stays here while this river keeps going on and on and on. Like in this life, if I do anything without love, if I build a house, if I earn a bunch of money, if I plant a garden, that stuff, it just stays here. It's going to end. It's going to fade. It's going to crumble. It's going to be forgotten. But when you love someone, when you do something with love, that love doesn't just stay put. It comes pouring out of you like a stream. It flows instead of standing still. And it doesn't just flow aimlessly. It flows into that river that is headed somewhere. And it gets caught up in it and taken away by it so that it doesn't just disappear, but it gets carried forward. It lasts. It has meaning. It makes a difference. When we love, we kind of become like tributaries to this river, connected to it, investing into it. But beyond that, when you show love to someone, when that love comes pouring out of you, I believe that they can sense all that. Like, have you ever stood in a river before? You know the feeling of the water moving around your ankles. Like, you can feel it moving past you, the current of it. You can feel the weight of it pushing you towards something. You realize it's not standing still, but it's going somewhere. It's headed somewhere. When you love someone, I believe that they can sense something similar to that. Like when they encounter love, when they get caught up in love, when they're standing in its path, they realize there's something about this that is different from everything else. It's not standing still. It's moving. It's, it's flowing. There's a current to this. They can feel it wrapping around them, heading somewhere. They can feel the weight of it pushing them towards something. Like earlier, when I asked you to think about the person in your life who could never stop loving you, and you just kind of soaked that in, didn't it feel like you were standing in the path of something? Like there was a current to it. Like it didn't arrive at you, but it moved through you. Like it was heading somewhere. Like the weight of something was pushing you towards something. Would it be wrong to describe that feeling as if something was washing over you? So why do we do everything that we do with love? Love is the most powerful force in the universe. It withstands everything. And it is eternal it lasts, it makes a difference, it has meaning, it has purpose, it feeds into that river. Well, if love was this 
river flowing towards something endlessly, which is just a metaphor, but if it was, what is it heading towards? Well, we don't exactly know, which is why Paul is vague in the next few verses. Let's take a look. Okay, this is verse 9 through 12. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Kind of cryptic, right? There's a reason for that. Paul is trying to talk about something that he's never seen. He's talking about how eventually God is going to restore his creation and fully redeem his people at the end of all things. And we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. But we have bits and pieces. There are other Bible verses that talk about this. Like Revelation 21, 1 through 5, goes like this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, and neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Here's another one. It's shorter and a bit more poetic. Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. These verses are beautiful, but they're not very clear. And in verse 9, Paul says we can talk about these things and, and use these little glimpses and words and guesses, but we really don't fully know exactly what we're talking about yet. But one day we're going to get there. God is going to take us there and we'll understand exactly what he's been talking about. And when we get there, these little words and guesses and glimpses, they're not going to matter anymore because we're going to be there. We're going to see it for ourselves. We're, we'll understand it fully. But not just that. When we get there, we're going to look back on today and the things that we did and said today, and they're going to seem kind of small and a little silly, maybe a bit ignorant, maybe a little childish. That's why he says in verse 11, when I was a kid, I talked like a kid. I acted like a kid. I thought like a kid. I made decisions like a kid, but then I grew up and I didn't, I stopped acting like a kid because I, I learned things since then. He's talking about something all of us have experienced, or at least we will one day. For example, a friend of mine, when he was a kid, he wanted to be a velociraptor when he grew up. He would run around on his toes, hunched over with his claws out in public. His dad kept saying, stop it, you're not a velociraptor. <laughs> well, turns out he didn't become a velociraptor. He grew up. When he looks back on that, he thinks it's pretty funny and, and kind of childish and silly because he, he learns some things like you can't become a philosopher after you're a human being. And in the same way, 
we look back on when we were kids and the stuff that we said and did. When we get there, we're going to look back on today and think, oh, man, I had no idea. Like, if only I knew how incredible of a thing I was actually talking about. If only I knew how small of a thing that was in the grand scheme of things. But Paul is saying, when we get there and look back on the things that we said and did, there's going to be one thing we'll look back on that we won't think is simple or small or silly or childish. And that's the times that we loved because love is our clearest, most potent glimpse of what is to come. I have young kids. They're five and six, and and they do kind of stuff that's just like really clueless. Like they'll be playing store where they're selling stuff, and I'll walk by, and they'll ask me if I want to buy a stuffed animal. And I I say, sure, how much? And they say 119, which isn't even a number. But I tell them I don't have 119. So they knock down the price to make it more affordable. And they say, 4000 And I say, I don't have 4000 So I make a counteroffer. And I say, how about you give me 4000 and the stuffed animal? And they say, okay. And it's like, I just took them for a ride. And they have no idea. Like, they are just totally clueless. They have no idea how the world works. But they do a lot of stuff that I feel that way. But there is one thing that they do that I never feel that way. It's when they love. When my kids love, it floors me. It is incredible. It is not a glimpse of something. It is the fullness of something. I don't think, man, they've got a lot to learn. When they love, I think, oof, I think I've got a lot to learn. In the same way, love is this potent, clear thread that doesn't change from childhood to adulthood. It seems like Paul is saying the same thing. Love is this potent, clear, unchanging thread from now to where we are going. And when we get there, we are going to look back on the times that we have loved and realize that wasn't just a glimpse of what is to come. Love is what is to come, which is important for us to see because there is a lot of times in life where things get confusing and unclear and we're not sure what the answers are, what the right thing is to do. And in those times, we ask ourselves questions like, what should I do? What does God want me to do? How do I handle this situation? How do I handle this person, this conflict? What do do I do when I have to choose between bad and, and worse. And all those questions are kind of asking the same question. Am I heading in the right direction? But what's really cool about this is if we see love is like this river that is heading towards where we are going. And we know that love will be there potently. Then we also know anytime that we love, we are headed in the right direction. If we love, we are always headed in the right direction. I mean, think about 
All the questions that Paul has been trying to answer in the book of 1 Corinthians, if you've been with us. Like, think about this. I had to write these down. There's so many. How do we handle divisions in the church? What do we do about the guy sleeping with his dad's wife? That's bad. What counts as sexual immorality? How should we treat our spouse? If we're single or widowed or divorced, should we stay single? Should we get married? Can we sue each other? Can we eat food offered to idols? Are we supposed to dress differently? How do we take communion? Are men better than women? What's the best spiritual gift? And Paul gets to the point where he says, you know what? Let me just make this really simple for you. The most important thing you can do is love. And he did that because love always points us in the right direction. In other words, love is like our North Star. When life is chaotic and out of control, when you are lost at sea and the waves are high and you're turned around and your compass has gone overboard, love always gets us pointed in the right direction again. If you don't know what to do, love. If you've been trying to figure out how to show Jesus to someone, love. If your kid gives you news that you weren't expecting or prepared for, love them. If you have to choose between bad or worse, love. If you disagree with someone's beliefs or choices, love them. If someone is grieving and you don't know what to say, love them. It always points us in the right direction. And that's nice to know, but even then, sometimes love, it doesn't quite feel like Enough. In the Great British Baking Show, anyone watch it? Yeah, good. You're, you're good. They're good people. And all of you are good, but they're, they're, yeah. I'm digging a hole for myself here. In the Great British Baking Show, which is a baking competition, if you haven't seen it, and I love you if you haven't seen it, uh, there is a judge, and his name is Paul Hollywood, and he is a really strict judge. Uh, if someone puts something in front of him that they have made and he sees even one thing wrong with what they've made, he will point it out, even if it's just one thing. But sometimes, every once in a while, someone bakes something and puts it in front of him and he looks at it and he tastes it. Instead of sitting, saying a word, he just reaches out his hand for a handshake because there's nothing to say. Because what they did was perfect. In these verses, Paul describes love as perfect. If you are in a situation and you don't know what to do, and so you just default to love, what you did was perfect. You deserve a handshake. There is nothing better or more, or more purposeful than you could have done. That was the best thing that you could ever do. So why do we do whatever we do with love? Because love is the most powerful force in the universe. And it is eternal. And it is our North Star. And there is nothing better we could do because it is perfect. Now, wait a minute. This is starting to sound a little far-fetched and exaggerated. How is love the most powerful force in the universe and eternal and perfect? Well, we have to recognize where love is coming from. Take a look, verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. 
Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Here's what this is getting at, this whole face thing. When we look at love, we are looking at the face of Jesus because love is from God and God is love. Look at 1 John 4, 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In other words, if love is this ongoing river taking us somewhere, then Jesus is the source of it and he is the destination. This is how love is the most powerful force in the universe and eternal and perfect because love is from God and God is love. But here's what's wild. In this verse, in verse 12, when he says we're looking at Jesus's face, he's not saying we're looking at Jesus's face over there, but we're looking at it in a mirror, which means when we love, we are looking at Jesus's face in our own reflection. When you love, you look like Jesus. When you love, you are reflecting the face of Jesus. Here's a couple more verses that kind of speak to this mystery. 1 John 4.12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. 1 John 3.2, beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Love is from God and God is love. And he has placed the ability to love inside of you. And that love is from God and God is in that love, which means when you show someone love, they don't just see love, they see Jesus when you love, you are bringing Jesus into that situation, into that conflict, into that whatever it is that you are bringing love into, you are bringing Jesus into that. When you love, you are bringing the presence of God because love is the presence of God. It is the presence of Jesus. You are bringing the presence of Jesus into whatever that is. You want to show someone who Jesus is? Love. You need God to show up? Love. You need to experience God? Love. Love is the presence of God. And when you bring that into something, it changes everything because the presence of God changes everything. The presence of God is like light in a dark room. It's like rain on dry crops. It's like calm in a storm. It's like fire in a hot air balloon. It's like wind in ship's sails. It's like a sunrise after night. It's like the first blossoms of spring. It's like food to the hungry. It's like water to the thirsty. 
When you love, you are not just bringing someone a glass of water from the river, but you are bringing them the river itself so that they can stand in his current. You want to show God to someone? Love. You need Jesus to show up? Love. You need to experience him? Love. So why does Advent keep bringing us back to love, leading us to love? Why do the teachings of Jesus in the Bible keep bringing us back to love? Why is it so important that whatever we do, we do it with love? Because love is from God. So when you love, there is nothing that can withstand it because it is the most powerful force in the universe. When you love, it outlasts anything else. Because love never ends. When you love, you couldn't have done anything better. Because love is perfect. When you love, you are bringing the presence of God because God is love. This is why we love. Let's pray. So before we get too caught up, in our thoughts and our questions and the things that we want to say to him. Let's just make some room for God to show up and do what he wants to do, say what he wants to say. So if you're able to, would you stand with me? And would you just hold out your hands in front of you in this posture of openness? And we're just going to make some time and some space for the Holy Spirit to come and do or say whatever he wants to do. God doesn't perform on command. He might not do or say anything. But the point is, we're making room for that to happen if God wants to. So I'm just going to say a very simple prayer and just give us a moment to just stand and listen. So Holy Spirit, would you please come? Here's a, a few questions that might be helpful to process with Jesus right now. First one is, are, are you in conflict with someone and it just doesn't really seem like it's going anywhere? Is there a way that you could love that person? Is there something that you need to do where the stakes are really high? It's really important to you. How could you do whatever that is with love 
Is there someone you've been trying to explain Jesus to and words and Bible verses and theology just isn't getting through to them? How could you love them? Are you stuck in the middle of a situation and it feels like the presence of God would really make a big difference in that? How could you bring love into that situation? Jesus, where are you inviting us to show love? God, we acknowledge the source of all of this is you. If we try to manufacture any of this just from ourselves, we're, we're tapping a dry well. But all of this is possible because of the overwhelming amount of love that you show every single person in this room, every single one, especially anyone here who's thinking, not me. Yep, you too. God, we are like springs of water that are overflowing. We are like cups filled beyond the brim, pouring over the sides. And that love that we contain, it's from you. Jesus, thank you for the immeasurable amount of love that we are on the receiving end of. It has changed our lives. How lucky are we that we just aren't on the receiving end of this, but we get to participate in it by directing the overflow into the lives of those around us. Jesus, would you help us to recognize where that love comes from? And it's with that in mind that we worship you. So coming out of this message, whatever God is doing inside of you, we just want to bless you in it and partner with you and help support you in the best ways that we can because we're a family. You are a part of this church. So please leave a comment. If you have any questions, if you have any comment, if you have a prayer request, just send us a message uh, on YouTube. You can go on our website. Uh, we would love to engage with you and what God is doing in you and through you. So thank you for sharing this time together with us and have a blessed rest of your day.